0: This is the Fit for Adventure podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gallo, and today I'm talking to Heather Kelly, the owner and founder of Heather's Choice, a company that makes meals and snacks for adventuring. These are pre-packaged, dried, backpacking meals that you can take anywhere that taste amazing and of course, are healthy alternatives to what else is out there on the market. And today we talk about different types of challenges that are faced as you scale a business from a small local company based out of Anchorage, Alaska, all the way to being in every single REI store, in the country, which is the goal that she has now and the challenges that she's currently overcoming. We also talk about what qualities it takes as an entrepreneur to face adversity and actually step into these and actually face these problems head first. And of course we talk about adventure, like all of the times that Heather spent working as a guide, rafting in the Grand Canyon, and some of the things that she has on her bucket list. I really, really enjoy this conversation, and I know you will too. Heather brings so much energy and passion for entrepreneurship, for adventure, and, and really for life. So without further ado, let's get started with our show. Welcome, Heather Kelly. So Heather's choice is is one of your businesses, Heather, and uh, <laughs> you you cater to the backpackers, the outdoorsmen, the people who want to have uh, good options when they're when they're out hiking and and exploring. And I'm, I'm I can speculate here. I imagine that that came from you not having what you needed in the outdoors. Is that true? <laughs>
1: Yeah. That's basically how most businesses are born. Right. You figure out like, wow, I really need such and such a widget. What if I make one and everybody else wants to buy one too?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, and obviously yes, people wanted to buy it. Right. Is that what, yeah. Yeah. What, how did that start? What was that adventure? Like, what was that, that, uh, that moment like
1: Oh my gosh. I I just reflect back to, so it's almost been eight years since the summer of 2014 when I started the business and I, it was so innocent, right? I had little tabletop dehydrators, the ones that Mm. you would have at home and make fruit leathers or jerky with. And I had recipes that I was super geeked on that I made for myself all the time. And was just naive enough to get a Shopify <laughs> website and turn it on and see what happened. And I do remember the, the first couple months of the business, I was actually, I like started the business and then went on vacation, right? Like I was just so green
0: <laughs> and
1: I was in Colorado visiting friends. And I remember waking up and seeing like, ding. Ding ding! Like all of a sudden, all these Shopify notifications were coming in, and I was like, "Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) How did these people find me? I need to get back home and like start making more food." It was.
0: Even do any marketing or anything? People were just finding you.
1: Yeah, we got really lucky in the early. I mean. Luck is the name of my game, but in the really early <laughs> days, we had just a smidge of local coverage in the Anchorage Daily News. Uh, Anchorage is a really small town. So, yeah. one of the gals that I went to high school with was, you know, an editor at the paper, and she wanted to write an article about what we were doing, and that sort of catapulted us. And then there was a group of guys that found us that started talking about us on like a hunting forum and that caused us to blow up. So it was very organic, very word of mouth. And I was completely unprepared <laughs> for all of it.
0: <laughs> those, sometimes those are the best uh, things though. Like you didn't intend for it to get the way, get to the point that it did so quickly, right? I'm sure you You had some ideas or imagined what it could be one day. And then all of a sudden it, it just punched you in the face, essentially.
1: (laughs) I mean, it still is (laughs) like I spent my morning talking with the local small business development center director and just talking about the complexities of running a business in Alaska and Mm -hmm. this, that, and the other. And it's still to this day, like for me as an entrepreneur, if the vision isn't crystal clear in my mind of where we're going and like, I don't even necessarily know need to know how we're going to get there, but I need to have a really clear vision of like, mm-hmm. this is where we're going next. And even still today, it's like, gosh, what what is it going to be? Are we going to have one really big facility here in Anchorage? Are we going to potentially have almost like a franchise where there's multiple kitchens across the country, maybe even across the world. Like there's so many Mm. opportunities and so many different ways to build a business. And I find myself sometimes just sort of deer in the headlights of like, Oh yeah, I get to (laughs) choose my own adventure. I get to build this however I want to, but I do have to make decisions and make them rapidly so that everybody continues to know where we're going.
0: Mm. I like how you used opportunities, right? There's there's options, and and they're all opportunities. And then also, I, I love how you said you, like you're making the decisions because it's your adventure, and like you get to choose that as an entrepreneur. That's the cool thing. You can choose when to speed up and slow down. Do you think like you're at this point, your employees and your client, your um customers all expect you to grow, and that's why you're. You're feeling that way or
1: that's a great question. I do think, you know, the last basically since inception, we have Mm. run into just issues with having enough product during peak season, right? Like the demand for backpacking food in the summer months is nuts. And it's, Mm. I do my damnedest to like project that stuff and to build inventory and do whatever. And I've consistently undershot it. Right. Just like (laughs) goodness, how many freaking grass-fed bison chilies do we need to make in a summer to like keep the people happy? So that's one piece of it. And then I also feel like right now with our team of people, Mm. they are so eager to either grow their skill sets or to make more money or to just grow with the business or to see the business's success. Mm. That the analogy I've been using recently is that I have like a sled dog team. And my team members are all of the dogs <laughs> that are just like ripping, ready to go. Like just yeah. chomping at the bit to just take off and run. And I'm the musher that still has like the anchor in the ground. That's like, no, no, no. it's not, we're not quite ready yet. We're not quite ready yet. <laughs> and at some point I'm going to pull this anchor out of the ground and just let my team freaking horse on it and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it definitely feels like, you know, everything kind of starts and stops with me, which is why I take it so seriously that I know where we're going and what the plan is to get there.
0: Yeah. I really like having a, a very clear vision of what the goal, like at least where we're going um, or where I'm going or what I want, what my desires are. Um, even as far as like, I've been planning 10 years out because it helps me to, to zoom back in to now and and know, okay, well, I'm on the right track at least. Um, And it helps to figure out the steps to take, even if you're not like fully aware or conscious of that in the, like today, like, I don't know what I'm going to do specifically, that's going to get me to where I want to be in 10 years. And, and also like, I can, I can put like my attention that way and, and if I have a team, I can put their attention that way too.
1: Totally. <laughs> and
0: and things, you know, the wheels will start moving, right, and things will start happening. And then all of a sudden, you know, it it uh, it blows up, it speeds up, right? I want to back up a little bit too, because you know, you were thrust into this, or you you initiated it. You weren't thrust into it, but you this this business got started, it took off. Um, you were already you were on vacation, and. You were able to handle that and, and grow it and, and continue to see it grow over the years. What, what gave you that ability? Like what, um, what have you done in your life that allowed you to handle that that quick success or that, um, stressful, uh, time.
1: That's a good question. Yeah. I feel like if I reflect on myself as an entrepreneur, like I'm almost too dumb to quit. For, right? Just like even some of the best athletes in That's the world, the going like
0: thing. Yeah. With entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah. Do you like, if you want to be, I was listening to a podcast the other day that was talking about fighters and it's like, you mm. can't succeed as a fighter. If you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth, right? Like you don't have that sense of grit and determination and like, mm. you know, the best fighters in the world came from really rough backgrounds and I didn't, I didn't come from a really rough background by any stretch. So I'm not trying to compare apples to apples, but I do think that a lot of the things that I've done, whether it's becoming a raft guide or it's rowing crew at a collegiate level or becoming a CrossFit athlete, Mm. none of it came easy. Right. Like I had to really work at it and had to really accept a lot of years of sucking. (laughs) And just (laughs) continuing to show up every day and being like, wow, this is, this is sort of hard earned. And that feels like my journey of entrepreneurship too, is coming into it, not knowing what I'm doing, just being willing to fall on my face over and over and over again, Mm. but being so dogged and determined of like, I know if I stick with this, if I, if I stay after it, it's going to work. And if it's not going to work, like it's not going to not work because I quit it's, it's going to not work. Cause it wasn't meant to be, or cause there was something better on the horizon. Mm-hmm. But I just, when I, again, like when I reflect on even today, eight years later, there's still no guarantee of our quote unquote success, right. Moving forward.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't want to reflect back on this experience and say, well, you know, it could have worked, but like, I just threw in the towel. Mm. Right. Yeah. And as I, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, keep talking. I'm listening.
1: I I was just going (laughs) to say that when I reflect back on when I rode crew at a collegiate level, Mm -hmm. it was really, really hard, especially my freshman year. I didn't have an athletic background. Like I couldn't run a 5k when I showed up for college. Mm. So to four years later have one multiple national championships and to have rode in the varsity eight, like that was hard earned, but there was a really clear definition of success for me. I wanted to be in the varsity eight boat and I wanted to win a national Mm -hmm. championship. So like that clear definitive finish line was really motivating. And I was willing to endure a lot in order to get there. And I had a sense of confidence that if I worked hard enough, I would Achieve the mm. goal, and I had enough people in my circle, like my coaches or my teammates, who also believed in me enough that that helped me keep going. And I, there was ample opportunities during my four-year rowing career to quit, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't have to get up and go to practice at 4:30 in the morning anymore. <laughs> uh, could have gone and done like a study abroad and not joined the team. Like, there were so many other things I could have done. But I don't have any regrets about staying really focused and really committed to that team and that vision. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there was a lot of realized success from that dedication to it for that chunk of time.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's a, whatever it takes mentality and, and you referenced like fighters before and they have, I've heard that too. Like you have to go through some hard times to be a success in this field, right, in this area as a fighter, I've heard that about um, you know entrepreneurs too. I've heard that about everyone, um, and and I imagine there's some accuracy to that. There's some truth to it. And and what I see is like you're, they're they're really highly motivated to not have something, right? To be so so they're going to do what they know to make to make it work, right? They don't want to get punched in the face, <laughs> so they're going to do their right, best, right? Totally to, to defend or punch back, right? Um, or they don't want to lose a fight because, hey, what happens when you lose a fight? There's uh, ramifications if you and and the same thing if you like. We can I, I hate the word fail in business because I, I don't think business fail. I think people do, and it's really well if you're if you're failing. Like you said, it's not meant to work out so we can pivot and we can do something different. And you have the maturity to actually make that decision um, versus constantly running away from something and doing it regardless, which is what I see a lot of times in fighting. Interesting you brought that up. Um, and, And honestly, it does help more to have something to look forward to right to have this like definite outcome if you do a b and c or put all of your energy into it like you know you can Was, did you learn that young I, I am i feel that's something that you you don't go into college and not having that and then suddenly you have that ability i'm sure you learn that at a very young age
1: man i actually think that i can remember back to the moment that that became clear for me yeah. so I, my freshman year of college, I got sucked into the world of crew and just super Mm. excited about it. And very quickly, there were people on that team that I really looked up to. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I want to be like these women, right? They were sort of expanders for me and showed me what was possible. And then I went home, maybe it was my freshman or sophomore year, either way. I remember I was sitting upstairs at my stepdad's house, watching the women's U S team win gold at the Olympics and crew. And I was watching this on the TV and just started crying. Just, you know, just tears just blowing out of my face because it was so clear to me how badly I wanted again, to be in the varsity boat and to win a national championship with my team. And that was basically my sole focus. And after having that experience and watching this Olympic race, I was introduced to a movie called the secret, which I'm sure everybody's heard of and everybody's seen and whatever your opinion is of it. It was life-changing for me because it showed me like that, that vision and that constant reminder of what your vision is and what your goal is, whether that's through vision boards or that's through affirmation or goal setting, whatever, pick your poison on how you want to like, make your vision clear for yourself. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of the moment that I was like, okay, I'm going to build a vision board. I'm going to get like really committed. I'm going to declare what it is that I really want. And then that's going to influence my actions every single day. I'm going to get up at four 15 and make my coffee and get in the car and drive to the lake and go to practice because I'm so committed to this vision that now all I have to do do is take sort of the small everyday actions to get there. And I don't think that I had that skill as, you mm-hmm. know, a high schooler, or I didn't have that when I got to college, when I got to college, I thought I was going to go into the photography. Like I thought mm-hmm. that I was going to be a journalist and then all of a sudden I became a jock <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> like, things just changed for me because we are so influenced by our environment and the people that yeah. were around and. I think that if I reflect on myself as just a human, I get, I see something that I like and I get really inspired and I'm like, Ooh, Oh, i like that. I want to learn more. And then I dive headfirst into things just out of the pursuit of learning. Cause I'm so curious, like how the hell, like, why are your feet strapped into this boat? This is so weird. Like, how do you get really fit and strong? Like, what do you have to eat? Like, why do you have to stretch? Like, There's just so much learning for me and all of my pursuits that it's inherently motivating to stick with it and just keep getting to or striving for a sense of mastery in whatever it is that I'm, I'm going after.
0: That sense of mastery is over everything too, right? Every detail of it, like you just described the of- getting fit for rowing or why your feet are strapped into a boat. This doesn't make any sense. Uh, But mastering like the knowledge aspect, the intellectual aspect, the physical expression aspect.
1: Totally, totally, totally. And I think that, you know, for something like crew, it didn't feel like it felt like there was a point in time when I was like, okay, I've done it right. Like Hmm. I've been really successful at this sport. I don't now have the desire to, go on to race at Worlds or to try out for the Olympic team. Like I had just sort of run my course with it of like, okay, I took this as far as I wanted to take it. Now I get to go do something else. And I think similarly in business, you know, you could set the the goal and the aspiration of like, oh, I want to be the CEO of a hundred million dollar company. But like, if I'm honest with myself, like that's not what I'm striving for. And that's not the vision I have.
0: Like just how you got, went to college and wanted to be a, photographer, a journalist, you don't know what you want to be honest. And, and it's very likely that, um, and I remember going into college and, uh, I felt that I had to make a decision or I had to be like, I had to be able to say what I wanted, you know, that was, a, that was like a, a mark of, uh, like, you know, what you're, what you're going to do in life. That was, that was something worth, worth saying. Right. And, uh, you end up making decisions based on, or making those decisions based on environmental factors too, like pressure from other people, family, friends, cultural things, whatever it is. But then you get into it and you start gravitating toward what you really want because like, hey, like the secret would would say, like what you put effort into will come back to you and what you put your attention on. You'll start to receive or see more of that. So I'm sure, or I, I, I definitely imagine this. Like you, uh, you have that ability. You had that happen to you, right? There's, there's a, there's a lot of like not knowing what you really want, and then trying to make a decision anyway, right?
1: Totally. Yeah, and I think that that's where people need to remember that you get to change your mind, right? Like mm-hmm. the goal the goalpost changes, like your 10 year vision a year from now is going to look different because you're going to be one year into it. So it's not a sense of like, this is going to be forever, right? Like Mm -hmm. if, even if you had 10 year visions and you did that Mm -hmm. seven times, like you'd accomplish a lot in those Mm -hmm. seven, 10 year stints. And I think that's where for me, I I do like to sort of chunkate things down of like in this season of my life, this is what I'm really hell bent on. And this is what mm. I'm really focused on, but it doesn't have a sense of like, this is going to be forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people get stuck in the, like, especially in our, uh, you know, Western society where you do have to, you don't have to, but the, the cultural norm is to make a decision when you're 18 or 20 or 22 and and you have a job for the rest of your life and and so they see like deciding or deciding on a goal is something that's well unrealistic for them or it's it's like they have to stick to it and I, I have a lot of friends that definitely have done this like they make a decision whether they're 18 or 19 to go into the military or um civil service, one of those jobs that guarantee a a timeline and a retirement and all, and like all of these things. Right. And then they're in it 10 years, 12 years later. And they're like, oh, it sucks. (laughs) And, and who wants that? Who, and and that, I imagine that makes you afraid of making any other decisions for, for the future. Yeah. And then here I am like every three months, I'm reevaluating where I want to be in 10 years, (laughs) you know? Yeah, for sure. It's,
1: I think that even in entrepreneurship too, it sometimes it can feel so indefinite, right? Like, Oh, well I've chosen the path of entrepreneurship. So therefore I'm going to be an entrepreneur forever. And Mm. I would challenge that too. Like what if somebody did come along with a really kick-ass job opportunity that you were going to learn a bunch, you were going to be highly compensated. You were going to work with a kick-ass team. Like could you go and do that, even though you've identified yourself as an entrepreneur? And I think that, again, people just have to remember that no matter what, like you can always change your mind, more opportunities are gonna come your way constantly. And it's just up to us to sort of feel into it and say like, okay, do I, do I wanna change course? Or like, am I still fully committed to the vision mm-hmm. that I set however long ago? And right now for me with Heather's Choice, When I started it eight years ago, I didn't have the vision of where I am today. Like I didn't have any concept of where I was going to be, but here I am now. And the vision has evolved and changed. And now I am really clear about the next hurdle that I want to get over. And Mm. even that is just this constant reiteration of, okay, we hit this goal. Now what? And I think getting comfy with consistently... Reevaluating your goals and recommitting to the vision is a really necessary process, not just for entrepreneurs, but for everybody.
0: Yeah. If only that was taught in, in, in high school, college <laughs> goal setting, like yeah. real, real down and like specific goal setting. Cause it, it does some, some magic sometimes. What is, what is the vision now? What is, what is like And I I love, by the way, I wrote, I just wrote this down the next hurdle that I want to get over. And, and what I, what I imagine when you said that is you are actually choosing your problems on purpose because you know that by solving that problem, you're going to make a massive change or something positive is going to come into your life. And that's necessary. Right. And so many people are running away from problems. And I I like the way you frame that, but what is the, what is the vision?
1: You know, right now, Heather's Choice is a business. We are in 37 REI doors across the country, which is significant for us as a business based here in Alaska. We manufacture all of our products here. And by manufacture, I mean, like we buy the onions, we chop the onions, we cook the onions, we Mm -hmm. dehydrate the meals, we package the meals, we ship everything out of here. Everything happens from right here. And I really want to see Heather's Choice distributed across the country nationwide to all REIs. We're working on getting into all Sportsman's Warehouse stores. Uh, Ideally, I'd like to have about a thousand independents, like, you know, those really cool specialty outdoor stores across the country. And I want to have, you know, a really sizable direct consumer business and continue to have people Mm -hmm. coming to heatherschoice.com and my phone blowing up at all hours and being like, yeah, it's working, right? Like I didn't do anything, but like somebody just came to the website and bought something. Like how freaking cool is that? Mm. And so even even setting the the goal and the vision of having that national distribution, like that creates 1 million other little hurdles <laughs> that we have to clear in order to be yeah. able to do that. And I think that for me getting to that, that size and scale and being able to say, yeah, like if you learn about Heather's choice or somebody hands you a packer and being able to say, yeah, you know, you can find us at REI and not just like, not just REI in the Pacific Northwest, but like everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that has the impact of people in Nebraska or like wherever people in the South who Follow like a healthy gluten free diet who are going on maybe their first or their hundredth backpacking trip and they stroll in there and they find a Heather's Choice meal and they're like, wow, the Mm. ingredients are so good. Like, this is going to make me feel awesome while I'm out there. Like, I'm excited to try this. And then somebody goes on a backcountry trip and they sit down next to their tent with their little stove and they boil water and they add it to the bag and they have a meal that, like, actually leaves them feeling nourished and Mm. leaves them feeling really satiated. And like, for me, like food is my love language, right? Like if you were in Alaska (laughs) with me and you came over to our house, like I would make a bomb ass meal of like, probably some sort of moose burger from a moose Mm. that Brad and I got last fall. And there'd probably be garden roasted vegetables and there'd be good wine and like, that's sort of my, it's my thing is just good food and kind of providing that sense of nourishment for people in all aspects of my life. And so to be able to do that on a national or global scale is pretty freaking cool. And Mm -hmm. the people who reach out and say, Oh my gosh, like the morning glory oatmeal saved my ass on an overnight flight to wherever, right? Like people just who need that good quality nourishment, they know that they need good food, but they're embarking on whatever their adventure is. And for us to almost be like the support crew for people who are going and doing those trips and saying like, Hey, we've got the food part taken care of. You just have to go do the thing. That's pretty freaking cool (laughs) in my mind. I really dig that.
0: Yeah, that sounds like an amazing feeling to have when when you know that that's happening.
1: Yeah, it's rad. Like, we had some people that just came up to Alaska and did some really big, epic adventure, and they sent me photos of a smoked sockeye salmon chowder rehydrating outside their tent. I'm like, it's almost like I kind of get to go on all these little adventures mm. or these big adventures. Like, never climbed an alley, but I've sent people with tons of food to go climb an alley and it it feels sometimes like I just get to be a part of it in a small way, which is again pretty dang cool.
0: And, and I lo- I love the way you painted a picture of somebody sitting outside their tent by the fire and warming up their uh, or pouring the hot water into the into the bag and and enjoying it and getting nourishment from it. Like that story is is what's going to carry you know. Especially when it's like, and I've had so many like dehydrated meals that suck um, and that aren't, and that aren't like good for you. Like most of them are packed and packed with calories and um, um, fillers and things to just give you calories and give you energy. But but if you are in, you know, conscious or aware of your body and you want to keep, you know, treat it well, you're going to want something a little bit um, better. Right.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, anybody who's a little bit privy to the fact that food can make or break you, like Mm -hmm. it behooves you to invest in good quality food, whether you're going on a backpacking trip or not, like eating healthy is definitely uh, probably one of my core values as a person. It's just like, man, how do I make sure that I and my family or whoever's in my My circle for the day is getting good quality food because it's going to dramatically impact their experience and their energy levels and that's important
0: how would it feel to spend your nights under the stars miles deep in nature knowing you're embarking on one of the toughest challenges of your life what would it mean to you to know you're adaptable for anything life throws your way to be able to not only deal with adversity, but handle it and thrive in it when it comes. Imagine disconnecting from reality for five days and creating time for you, a time for peace, quiet, and the ability to focus on you and develop the parts of yourself that you want to. I am a father, a serial entrepreneur, and a lover of all things adventure. I know what it takes to have your entire world turned upside down overnight and have life tell you, hey, your move. When I was young, I struggled with confidence and self-esteem like any teenager did. And continually I'd have people tell me about my potential, but I never saw what they saw. It wasn't until I attended a leadership camp in the Rocky Mountains of New Mexico and was immediately thrust well outside my comfort zone, forced to adapt, I had to learn at a faster pace than ever before. Ever since that experience, I've been obsessed about leadership and human potential. And over the last decade, I've left my mark on the fitness coaching world by introducing thousands of people to new possibilities through their fitness. This obsession and experience sent me on a quest to write here. Fit for Adventure exists to empower entrepreneurs, leaders, and creatives just like you to discover what you're truly capable of my intention for you is to uncover all of the powerful parts of yourself that you've repressed so you can reclaim and express that power and be the person you know you can be fit for adventure changes lives It supports humans to be brave enough to summit their mountain. Are you ready to be the next? I invite you to apply for one of the exclusive spots in our next fit for adventure retreat September 27th through October 2nd in the beautiful rainforest and mountains of Olympic National Park in the great state of Washington. This five-day adventure includes an experience of America's hidden gem with nine other entrepreneurs, leaders, and creatives that is unlike anything else you could create or imagine. It includes three nights backpacking on a trail and developing the skills you need to rely on yourself. It includes the teaching and implementing of crucial leadership skills and personal development skills so that you can understand yourself better and speed up your own development. If you're interested, visit mysummitacademy slash adventure and click apply for my spot. Then we'll get on the call. We'll make sure that this is a good fit for you. And as an exclusive offer for being a listener of this podcast, you'll receive a special discount as well as a gift from me and the team. Just mention that you heard about us through the podcast when we get on a call, and I'll give you a code to apply directly at checkout for that discount. Once again, visit mysummit.academy slash adventure and click apply for my spot. Then start packing. See you on the trail. So what are the, what are the hurdles uh, for you to get over, to get to every REI in, uh, in the country.
1: Yeah. Oh, there's so many, uh, <laughs> let's see. So I would say yeah. first, you know, like dehydrator capacity, I think i mentioned that I started the business with like the little tabletop dehydrators mm-hmm. that I could make like six meals at a time or something, but you no, know, we all start somewhere. And even now today, just simply having the ability to make enough meals, like let's say hypothetically, each store wanted to have 10 units. So they wanted to have 10 units on hand and there's 175 doors. So that's 1,750 units. And if you have 10 meals that you're offering, that's uh, 17,500, just as like an opening order, right? So then if they're selling those at a steady clip of, let's say, let's say they're turning that every week, hypothetically, like these aren't real numbers, but if they were like, you would then need to be able to dehydrate, cook, like prep, cook, dehydrate, package, ship 17,500 units a week, hypothetically, just of Mm -hmm. the dinners and to actually dehydrate that many meals is a lot of freaking dehydrators right like Mm -hmm. each one of our dehydrators now is 150 meals a run so like we are very small batch very Mm.
0: uh
1: just high quality like just if you saw our processes you'd be like oh you're basically making like a home cooked meal just instead of five servings it's 150 right it's all made in a big old kettle with like Mm-hmm. Sauteing the onions in extra virgin olive oil and salting the onions, and then adding the garlic and the spices—like it's—we're basically making yeah. home cooked meals on a larger scale. So even if we take that math, let's let's just for fun, seventeen thousand five hundred meals divided by one hundred and fifty, I would need to own one hundred and sixteen of my dehydrators to do that. <laughs> so, as you can see, that is not physically possible to fit that many dehydrators in one space. And you would never, you wouldn't do that. Instead you would buy like a really big ass walk-in dehydrator in a big ass steam kettle and you would, you would have to be your manufacturing facility would have to be so freaking big that you could feed an army, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you get a manufacturing facility mm-hmm. that big? You have really deep pockets. And so if you're somebody like me, yeah, I was about to say old, you get you get
0: a lot of money and
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do not have currently super duper deep pockets. So that brings me back to like, okay, how good am I at fundraising? How good am yeah. I at selling the story? How good am I at either getting loans or investors or like, and again, these people are totally speculating on what is the vision. Mm-hmm. you know, where are you going? How are you going to get there? So it brings me all the way back around to what my job is currently, which is just setting vision and setting the course of how the hell we're mm-hmm. going to be able to produce that many meals. Cause, uh, we're yeah. a long ways from that right now.
0: <laughs> That's a big number to be on your mind. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm sure all the other numbers associated with it, like cost of, the equipment staffing uh shipping costs from anchorage to the east coast of the united states for example that might mean hey you have a distribution center in the midwest right totally but then do you sacrifice your process do you give up parts of your process that are really true to your brand that uh you know in that scaling in making it yeah. scalable and that's I imagine that's, that's the dilemma that only an entrepreneur would, would understand.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's where I think that we've chosen such a, a unique trajectory with the business, right? Like if I was smart, I would pick a couple of recipes. I would go find a co-packer and I would say here, I want to buy a million units of this 250,000 a quarter. And then my job is just to sell them as fast Mm -hmm. as I can before I need to place my next order. However, I feel like our product and our process is so unique, right? Like to find that co-packer, that's going to uphold our quality standards, or even to find a distribution center. That's going to treat our customers with the level of care that mm-hmm. Thea, who works downstairs, like in our warehouse, like, I don't know that I'm going to find that. And so I've been really unwilling up to this point to really outsource much in the business. Yeah. Because I truly believe that somebody like Thea, who does all of our customer service and order fulfillment, or Brooke, who manages all of our wholesale business, like those girls care so much more than somebody who isn't here every day Mm -hmm. with Brad and I in the business, like hanging out with our dog, coming over to our house for barbecues. Like we're basically we're a team for sure. And there is this kind of comfy, cozy company culture that we've built. And I think what that breeds is people who really give a shit about the work that they're doing. And I'm not really willing to give that up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. Right. Or maybe not at all. Not today. It's, it's funny to think like, as uh, you keep, you keep bringing up this, the same idea, like entrepreneurs are dumb <laughs> or because <laughs> we're, the, we're the only ones that are willing to, um, no, I, I take that back. I retract that, but there's a certain type of entrepreneur that's not willing to sacrifice certain things. We pref- I prefer philosophy over, um, money, right. Or over business. So my own personal beliefs over um you know, okay, I could easily get help and scale this thing, but I have to give up what I believe and what I know is true. or even even more so on in your uh, example, like the the feeling you get from the culture and from the people around you and what you get to provide and the stories you get to tell. there's a, there's a, there's a very unique person that that is like that and, it's, it's great because you get to live life by your own, own rules and your own standards. And it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter what what happens next or if you get into all every store, as long as you're doing what you enjoy. Right.
1: And I, I would also add to that, that I think for me, I'm always asking myself, like, does it have to be this or that? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, can I have a company that yeah. really it like fits in with my values and feels comfy and cozy but can i also make really good money doing it right like what are the creative solutions that allow me to to have it all rather than feeling like it's always this trade off of either you're a capitalistic prick or like you're a philosophical broke <laughs> artist right like i i really try to to not allow myself to fall into that sense of this or that and instead really try to see like, okay, how much more fun would it be if we did make a bunch of money? Okay. What would it be like? What would we have to change in order for us to be super profitable and mm. to have more money to invest in our team or be able to invest in more things that our team wants or what, how what's going to make everything easier? <clears throat> and I, yeah, I think that that's a, kind of an important mindset for people to adopt too, is not mm. allowing it to be this or that of Either you have a business that you love that, you know, doesn't make you any money, or you're sacrificing everything for a dollar. Like there's <laughs> there's a whole spectrum of possibilities in between there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The having having the, the options is key. And and knowing like there's no you're not a binary uh thinker. You you can you can go either way. There's a company I I'm I thought of while you were talking about that um origin usa have you heard of origin before Mm-mm. um have you heard of jocko willink before mm-hmm. yeah so he uh, he's a partner in origin so like origin they started out making jujitsu geese they're like uh really high quality um but they're they they promoted their whole they built their whole brand on um american made from the like the Materials that they grow out of the ground to uh, the workers and how they produce it, Um, and they I think in the last two years they they've been like one of the fastest growing companies in the world and branched out to making hunting gear and uh, tactical gear and then they have a whole line of supplements and food and, and things like that and just bought out a bunch of factories and I'm look and I you know I'm following this this company for years and the people in it. And, and you can just get that vibe and that feeling of uh, the culture that they're creating. Right. Um, from this little, you know, company that started in Maine and now, you know, has hundreds or thousands and thousands of employees and they, you know, their product is in every, every Wawa, which is like a gas station, uh, convenience store on the East coast. Right. And, still maintaining that, um, that culture. So yeah, you can have the, the, you can make a lot of money. (laughs) You can grow and scale to something ridiculous, um, under the right leadership for sure. And, and with the right vision, like the, I think it's, it's really important to have that like anchor of a person, a CEO, um, who has the vision and is like, I'm not going to sacrifice these things. Right. So this is how we're going to do it instead, but we're still going to, you're still going to get there, right. You're still going to get into 175 REIs and, and make your way. Right.
1: Yeah. Just the path to get there is <laughs> yeah. It's choose your own adventure. It's however <laughs> you want to do it. Cause there's, there's faster, easier, dirtier ways. And again, my, my stubbornness is showing through, I want to do things, uh, (laughs) with, with quality. And, you know, I, I think about that often of just how important quality is to me, you know, on every level of my life, like we talked about quality of food or quality of experience or quality of people. And that's where, for me, it's, it's really, uh, impossible to see a world where, okay, well let's sacrifice the quality in order to be able to produce more and make a better margin. Like all of a sudden the energy behind it is just icky. Like it doesn't Mm. feel good and it doesn't feel satisfying. So yeah, it's definitely just a a long uphill battle to like create something (laughs) that really has some substance to it. And I think that's where coming back to that sense of committing for the long haul, right? Like, yeah. Realm wasn't built in a day, and a lot of these really great businesses that you look up to didn't start yesterday. They're ten-year, twenty-year, thirty-year businesses, and I, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say I, I'm fearful that there are so many people who do jump from one thing to another because we have the internet and we can see the one million different things that we can mm-hmm. do in our lifetime and. Ooh, this is shiny and this is sexy, and da 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 da. And we kind of lose things that have, again, real substance to them mm-hmm. if we don't have people who are willing to like really commit
0: themselves to their craft. Yeah, we're in a time though where things are happening so fast, where real, like really 20 years ago, that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Or even further back, um, 80s, 90s when the, before the internet was really getting popular, things happened much slower. Like a company would scale, but it would take decades instead of years, right? And now, right, there's new things happening all the time. There's new um, businesses or products or services, upgrades from the last thing. So everyone's looking for the shiny new object, which is coming now every like, year and a half right? or a year and not, not every 10 years, you know? And so to keep people's attention is really challenging, but, but it's a, you know, when you really boil it down, um, you know, even if you're working at scale as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, or you're working with one person, right. You have one client, your job is to maintain some sort of relationship. Your job is to like support them, meet them where they're at, um, give them the tools they need, right. Provide a product that they need right now. And, and, uh, and also match their, their values, right? So someone might in in a, in a year or two decide, well, they don't really care anymore about quality food. So they're going to go to the cheaper alternative instead of Heather's choice. Right. Totally. In, in which case you make a decision of like, well, do I want to make a cheaper alternative or do I want to just let that customer go? And you can do that because you can, you can make that decision because we're not binary. And also you can uh, see, well, what are the trends and how can I adapt? You know, in, in 10 years from now, I imagine your company will be very different.
1: <laughs> I can't.
0: So imagine different.
1: <laughs> I can't, because like, again, eight years ago, did I think that I would have an office to sit in and like mm. a nice big desk and a microphone and a set of a headphones microphone. and like, look at all these things that I have. Like none of this was on my radar. Like I was, this was not what I was <laughs> striving towards, but here I am. And like, it feels good where we're at right now. And I'm grateful to have so much flexibility and space and all of that. And so 10 years from now, I have no mm-hmm. concept of like, where am I going to be sitting? Who am I going to be talking to? Like, where the heck am I going to be?
0: <laughs> Isn't that so cool too? Yeah. It does, and, and it doesn't even matter. It really doesn't. No, it and, doesn't. and also like, like, even when we're like, you're face to face with somebody, you can think about that in the moment. Like, how did I get here? if it's someone you look up to, especially, or, um, you know, I've recently been able to have conversations with people or um, do business with people that I highly respect or I've been looking at for years. And at this point in my life, it, it feels natural. It feels that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And exact, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing versus like, Oh my God, how did we get here? What's happening? What did I do to deserve this? I shouldn't be here. <laughs> that imposter syndrome—that's gone. Yeah, creeps in sometimes. I want to. I'm curious. I, I do want to get to this subject. Um, you you make food for backpackers and hikers and out, out outdoors people. What what role did uh, the outdoors or adventure play in your life that like brought you to wanting to do that?
1: Yeah. I grew up in a ski town. So I was a little snowboard brat for my formative years through mm-hmm. high school and whatnot, but I, I didn't consider myself like an outdoors woman, right? Like I would just go snowboarding and
0: yeah, that was the whatever. Thing mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And then when I was 18, I was hired on at a local rafting company as a raft guide. And all of a sudden was like, Whoa, I have to figure out how to like keep myself warm on the days when it's really crappy outside. Right. Mm. Cause it could be 40 degrees and raining all summer and you're still working, right. You still have to layer up and get out there and get on your boat and get your people downstream and do all of that. And so at 18, I feel like I was sort of abducted into just a really cool group of people, you know, mm. people who really valued their time outdoors, who were really self-sufficient, who could kind of keep their calm and keep their Cool, even when shit got weird or the weather wasn't cooperating or the days were long, like there was just a sense of resilience in this group of people. Mm. And I think in tandem with that, having the rowing experience of hard work and dedication and working as a team, like that was also formative. But then after college, I was invited on my first Grand Canyon river trip. Uh, and I say invited, I like invited my Self. I basically volunteered as a boat captain on this 20 some odd day rafting trip
0: nice.
1: and it was really scary, right? I'm 22 years old. I've been camping like a handful of times. I've never oared class four and five whitewater. I've never oared a 3000 pound boat. Like there was so much about that experience that was so scary to me. And I remember just being like, Oh God, what have I signed myself up for? But then going and doing that trip, I was on the water for 20 some odd days and successfully got my boat downstream and slept on my raft or pitched my tent every night for three weeks straight and came out the other side, kind of a different person, right? Like I had a new sense of confidence. I had a new love of sleeping outside under the stars and once again, had a new community of people that I really looked up to as folks who, again, have this sense of just like, cool, even when shit gets weird, right? Like you could have stuff go wrong on the river or you could have conflict between people or whatever could happen. And in a situation like that, like a multi-day river trip with a large group of people, like you have to keep your shit together right? You can't just throw your hands up and be like, I quit. I'm done. I'm out (laughs) of here. Like you're not hiking out of there. And like the only way you're getting out is via helicopter, which is real expensive. So like you have to have a sense of resiliency and an ability to kind of self-regulate. And Mm -hmm. just as I kind of reflect on that first trip, I think that that was really formative for me to realize how much I loved the desert, how much I loved rafting, how much I loved being outside, how much I loved being with that group of people. And now I've gone back six times and done that same trip. And every single trip has been unique. And to be able to say like, oh, yeah, I've spent six months of my life rafting the Grand Canyon, like feels really good. And I've been able to structure the business in such a way that like I can leave for those big significant chunks of time and the business continues to operate and Mm -hmm. it, it's not wholly dependent on me. So yeah, I feel like those initial river trips and getting into rafting and pack rafting were really formative and gave me a sense of confidence that I probably didn't have before that.
0: sounds like a lot of fun too.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> there is nothing more fun than river trips. I'm yeah. sorry. Like backpacking school, hunting is awesome. Yeah. Uh, sea kayaking's rad, but to be on a river, there is nothing
0: better. It's in my exhilarating. Mind. Right. And it's like, it. I've done class threes at most, but even that when you're approaching it and you start to feel the current pulling you a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're in it and you're actually like moving and I've kayaked these a bunch of times, but, oh man. And, and, and then you're out of it and you look back, you're like, did I just, did we survive that?
1: Right. Which I can is imagine like- doing
0: that 20 days in a row.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so fun. And like, you can apply that so much to, to life, right? Like there's yeah. so much buildup. Like, you know, the rapid is coming, you can hear it. You can mm-hmm. feel the water start to pull you a little bit. And you're like, and you just okay, gotta really? go in. Oh, I hope I'm in the right spot. And then 30 <laughs> seconds later, it's over. And you're like, oh my gosh, I yeah. did it, right? And oh my God. And river then when you go so back,
0: fun. if you ever go back to like the same uh, rapids, Uh, You you know where to go. You know where to enter and you're like attacking it. You're going head first. And it's just, it's like a roller coaster ride because you know exactly what to expect. And that sounds, it sounds so exciting to do that for six months of your life.
1: Oh my gosh. It's like, I want to be that like the vision I have for myself as like an old woman is (laughs) still being 70 years old, you know, probably with like long gray hair and so many wrinkles and just still getting out on river trips and kind of going back to some of my favorite places and, Mm -hmm. you know, running the Dutch oven and making everybody food and just being really there and still enjoying the outdoors for sure.
0: Yeah. Every wrinkle tells a story, by the way.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm getting more and more every day. So I have more and more stories Perfect. to
0: tell. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> what's cool about that, like uh, going in for that much time, right? 20 days on a trip um, in that environment where you really can't, there's no way out. It's, it's once you start, you're going through and to get out of it, you know, is difficult. Um, I, I like to relate that to um, having this mindset of removing certain options or removing certain things as options, like giving up or um, like uh, like not going in one direction, like going the opposite direction. <laughs> Well, you can't because the river flows this way. So go with the flow, Um, but also like stay the course, keep going, because if you give up, it's going to cost you a lot, Um, usually more and like more than you think or more than you can think about in the moment Um, mentally it'll cost you emotionally. It'll cost you like if some, for someone to to go five days on a river and then just give up and need to get helicoptered out that may sit with them for the next decade of their life. Right. Right. As, as they might internalize that and become that someone who gives up or you can remove the options. Right. And just be happy with what you have. Like it might suck for the next, you know, a couple of days or weeks or months, and it might be difficult um, you might be doing things you don't want to, I remember backpacking trips where I don't want to wake up early, yeah. uh, to be like, get somewhere before the weather changes or like get to a campsite before it gets dark, or I want to rest more. I want to enjoy this like scenery more, or this lake, or I want to go home <laughs> and then realizing like, no, like the point of this is to do it, like, is to be part of it be part of, be present. And it becomes much more enjoyable when you can surrender to that. And usually, um, going back to the, um, like the law of attraction, you get more from it. You get a lot more success when you're not resistant to the present or to what's right in front of you.
1: Yeah. yeah. I would tack on to that, that the people that you're with, right. Like Could I have done at 22, could I have successfully done a Grand Canyon river trip by myself? Maybe, but I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much.
0: If you had the desire.
1: Yeah, but it would have been, it would have been terrifying. It would have, it would, it would have been lonely, right? I would have just felt like, what did I just do? And I maybe wouldn't have been so inclined to go back, Mm. but instead I made lifelong friends on that river trip. And I trust that anytime I sign up for another river trip, I'm going with people that I believe in them and I believe that they have my back and I believe that they're looking out for me and I have their best interest in mind. And I think about that, even with my current athletic pursuits or in business, the people that you choose to surround yourself with, I really honestly believe are going to make or break your success. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just feel like, especially in this current reality, there's a lot of people attempting to build businesses single-handedly and really kind of pushing the envelope of like, oh, look, I'm a solopreneur and I can do everything on my own and blah, 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 blah. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to instead say like, okay, what would it look like if I did surround myself with the right team or the right support system or the right coaches or the right mentors or advisors. And if I made this more of a community effort, Mm
0: -hmm. how much
1: more satisfying would it be rather than feeling like I'm carrying this rock all by myself and like, Oh my God, it's getting so heavy. And what do I do? (laughs) It's like, you've got so many people out there who want to support you, who (laughs) want to be a part of your adventure, who want to experience you succeeding. So how can you kind of share the weight, with more people and invite them along for the ride.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I, I per like one of my businesses, I work with solopreneurs and the, but the, the whole purpose is because that usually when you identify as that you're missing out on the community aspect, the, uh, the support aspect, the group aspect, and I like to show people how valuable that can be, right? When you link together with like-minded people or people who are thinking at a different level, um, people that can help you elevate yourself um, and also people that you can start to learn how to rely on. Because a lot of times people they, I've noticed um, grow up without trust in others. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's really hard to ask for help right? And, and so if you are constantly seeing that happen in your life, like you ask for help, you don't get what you want because you failed to set, you know, boundaries or expectations or whatever it is, you get frustrated, you're going to continue to believe that there's no help for you. And so you'll think you have to do it all on your own. And that was me for a long time too. Um, and now, I, I, I work with entrepreneurs every single day as a, you know, sometimes one-on-one as a, you know, a body for them to just reflect back on or another voice for them to reflect. And I'm, I've gotten really good at reflecting things back to people. Um, or I put together a community. I take, I take people on adventures. We're going to Colorado in two weeks nice. uh, with a small group of people. And we're just going to, we're going to climb, we're going to mountain bike, and we're going to you know, mastermind, if you want to call it that, or work through some problems. And, um, and it gives people that like, deep breath, like, oh, I have support. I have the help. This feels really good too. And then the success starts because they realized, well, I could hire someone too, <laughs> I could bring someone on my team or I could you know, open this door and see what happens or let this person help me who's been wanting to, but I just, I'm too blind to see it. That happens all the time too. What What's your next adventure? What do you got planned?
1: That's a good question. I, like I said, typically I've carved out a pretty significant chunk of my year to go do river trips. Mm-hmm. And right now at this phase of, the business and this phase of my life, that's actually not like my top priority, which is kind of hard to accept because that's sort of my happy place is, you know, the Grand Canyon. And that's where I find sort of the most peace, you know, like I can really feel settled into like, this is who I am when I'm on my raft. Right. But right now the, the business is growing and evolving so much. And I don't want to miss that either. Like, I don't want to just check out from that. Mm -hmm. So there's no, no big, awesome expeditions on the horizon. If anything, like the, the adventure that I'm on currently is like really being settled in at home and (laughs) raising a garden and just almost kind of graduating from that sense of like, I gotta be doing something all the time. And like, I gotta be out there and like, life is short, go do the things. And I'm like, I've got all the time in the world Mm. and I'm pumped to like settle into being home and have so many nights where it's like, I don't have any plans. I'm going to make dinner. I'm going to hang out with the dog. Brad and I are going to pour a glass of wine and do a garden walk and just like feel so grounded rather than feeling scattered and spread thin. So that's my current adventure is like, Mm -hmm. how does it feel? What is it like if I give myself tons of time and space that is unstructured that I get to do whatever the hell I want with?
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's funny to think about that as an adventure. And, and it is because you're so used to going away or traveling or getting outside or doing something profound or, uh, difficult it's, uh, it's, it's, it can be more challenging to, to stay at home or, um, explore a different side of you. Right. That's what it really comes down to.
1: Yeah. And we have that in Alaska of, you know, if you move up here, people will experience the Alaska factor or like, oh, that's cute. You went on a two day backpacking trip. Well, like I just came back from doing, you know, skiing to and summiting and skiing out of Denali, right? Like we have some pretty amazing athletes up here who do some really incredible stuff that's inspiring in its own way, but it can also sometimes have a negative impact where you feel like, oh, I'm just never doing enough. Like that Mm -hmm. bike ride wasn't super Epic. That hike wasn't super awesome. Like I wasn't out for very long, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like the rebellious part of me Mm -hmm. is like, I don't have to do anything to be worthy, to have value, to be cool. Like in my twenties, it was a different story, but now that I'm so wise in my (laughs) thirties, um, I just don't have, uh, any patience (laughs) for it. And so now I just really try to give myself enough open-ended free time to do whatever the hell I want to oh, do. It's very fun.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. We call that comparison. Hell you put yeah. yourself in, it used to happen in the gym all the time, <laughs> man. So, and and you're in one of the most amazing places in the world where you could walk outside your back door and be on an adventure. <laughs> yeah. If we did wanted.
1: that this <laughs> past weekend we actually took our staff on our annual company retreat and we try to take our staff out camping. And we have some people, one of our team members, she's from Samoa and she's been in the U S probably six months and she'd never been camping. And we were like, okay, well, we're taking you on a camping trip. And it was freaking world-class, right? Like we drove two and a half hours South of Anchorage. Some of us took the water taxi out to these public use cabins that are just like rustic, awesome wood stove, bunk beds. Like Mm -hmm. they're just incredible. And then some people did a five mile hike out to the cabins and you can only get to the cabins at low tide. So you have to time like what hours you can actually get out there. And then once the tide comes up, you're stuck. Like you can't, you can't leave. And there's bears, there's otters, there's eagles, there's sea lions, there's fish. Like it's just it was a world-class trip for us to get to do with everybody. And that's legitimately our backyard. Mm. And, you know, I had to book the cabins six months in advance, but there wasn't like a whole bunch of permits to get the water taxi was like 60 bucks a person. It wasn't a really unsurmountable trip to go do, but anybody who was there will never, will never forget that experience because it was a world-class trip that is really accessible to us here in Alaska. So we don't take that for granted either that we do have a very large backyard to go play in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that sounds like so much fun. It sounds like a great uh, culture you've created and a place to work for people too.
1: I hope so. I mean, yeah, like company culture, building a team, that is a whole nother conversation because that was also a steep learning curve for me. Mm -hmm. And kind of where I landed is the more of myself and the more of my passions that I can bring to the business and share with people, like it's really well-received. And I'm really grateful that we do have a team that cares about good food. They care about going out on trips. They care about taking care of themselves and taking care of each other. Uh, They let me bring my dog to work and (laughs) (laughs) it's good. Yeah, we've created something really special. Like our world is, it's
0: good. And I dig it. Awesome. So you, so you're in, uh, REIs on the West coast, where else can people find you? How would they find you online? What, where, where do they go?
1: Yeah, I definitely encourage people to visit our website. It's www.heatherschoice.com. And you can see the full adventure menu. Uh, we also have about a hundred independents across the country. So definitely on our website, you can take a look at our store locator and support one of our retail partners. And then I do my best with my team member, Brooke, to kind of share some behind the scenes on our Instagram. And Mm -hmm. we do journal entries on our website to kind of talk about life in Alaska and sort of our, uh, core values of nutrition Mm -hmm. and all of that. So, you know, we do the best we can and I will also say out the other side of my mouth, like a lot of times we have our heads down and we're just doing our thing, making yeah. food, shipping food. That's like <laughs> what we do. So I wouldn't say that our social media presence or our marketing is real noisy. So you kind of got to come find us.
0: <laughs> I love it. And last question, what What does being fit for adventure mean to you?
1: I think it is for me, taking care of myself well enough year round that when an opportunity pops up, I can say yes to it. So rather than feeling like, Oh, I've got this big trip coming up. I need to start training for it. It's Mm -hmm. like pretty well off the couch, being able to say yes to whatever opportunity, whether that's a backpacking trip or sea kayaking or rafting or rock climbing, whatever it is, I try to personally maintain a level of health and relative fitness to be able to say yes to, to whatever. And, you know, that feels really simple, easy, not really high pressure, just kind of having some semblance of like, okay, I deserve to take care of myself year round. And yeah, I think that that for, and I, the only thing I would add to that is sort of the the word that i kept coming back to earlier which is a sense of resilience right knowing that it's everything's not going to go to plan knowing that you're gonna hit some sticking points knowing that the weather could turn it could get hard you could find yourself suffering a little bit but having enough emotional resilience to stay after it i would add as part of the definition of fit for adventure
0: mm-hmm. thank you that was great this was a lot of fun too i appreciate your time and uh Look forward to seeing you seeing you grow and seeing you in REIs out here in, in New York one day. Yeah,
1: thank you. It's, it's an exciting time. We'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Fit for Adventure podcast with our guest Heather Kelly. I hope you enjoyed this one because I had so much fun and I'm excited to connect more with Heather and, and see her. And her business expand and grow over the next couple of years. It's really going to be amazing uh, considering all that she's done so far. And if you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, which, uh, come on, it was pretty awesome. Go ahead, take right now, go into your podcasting app. If it's Apple or Spotify or one of the other ones. And uh, yeah. Go into it and give us a review. Leave at least five stars. You know, that's that's the minimum, right? And and really, I wanna know what it is you enjoyed, what you liked, what you didn't like, and what you are looking to hear more about. Because the more we hear from the audience, the more uh, we know we can keep going, or the, the, the changes, we can we can start making changes. So again, leave us a review, leave us some stars, and give us some feedback. It's really helpful, especially for someone like me who does this really out of pure enjoyment. Um, I don't make any money off of this podcast yet. It is not my, uh, my job. It's part of um, how I express myself and get to learn from other people and build relationships um, and also i really enjoy hearing the feedback from people um some of the lessons on here have been pretty awesome for me and, and for other people and i get sometimes i get messages um, on instagram and uh you know feel free to do that too i i respond to all my dms personally and uh So head over, leave us a review, and then share it with a friend, because why not? Enjoy the rest of your lovely day, and I will see you on the trail.